Is it always short for something? No. Oh, okay. It's, okay. Um, it means life in Greek. Ah, yes. Are you Greek? <laughs> no, my dad just decided. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yeah, I just want a name that means something. I was like, okay, cool. Um, but Samantha, welcome to the Black Circle podcast. <laughs> you are the first guest episode one one of one lovely <laughs> happy to be here happy to be here thank you so much for taking the time out so yeah so so lovely to be here um and basically you are as everyone can hear from the u.s yes y'all i'm from the u.s <laughs> so let's get into it tell me a little bit about what brought you over to the uk wow where to start so i've been here it's coming up on this is my sixth year we'll go on to seven years next year um, I came here to study acting. Uh, I went to Royal Central School of Speech and Drama, where I got my master's in acting, and I graduated. Once I graduated with distinction, might I? Add. I love that. Very, yes. I was one point into distinction, <laughs> but I'm claiming that. But one you got point. that. That's yeah, amazing. yeah. Very happy about that. Um, and then after graduating. Um, I was like, man, I really want to stay in the UK because with your student visa, you're only here for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I feel like I hadn't experienced London enough. So I said, what can I do? And my school was offering a startup visa um, as long as you created a business that they saw was viable in the UK. So I started a business with my um, classmate, Pereko Bahoti, who is my um, business partner as well. And we got to stay in the UK for another two years. So I've just been hanging out, trying to run a business, trying to be an artist and everything in between. Yes, yes. (laughs) And we will obviously get on to what the business is a little bit later because it's such an interesting concept and a very much needed concept. Um, But I just want to kind of talk a little bit more about you, your experiences in acting and um, your experiences in the UK, basically. Mm. And so... um, what was growing up your kind of influences um, in terms of who influenced you growing up in terms of actresses or any kind of black actresses? The funny thing about influence, it changes every five years, I feel, for myself. Mm-hmm. Like when you're a kid, it's the person in your neighborhood where you're like, oh, this person, you know, they're so, in my opinion, eclectic. They do these interesting things I've never seen. I admire them. I want to be like them. And then when you get into, you know, school and you meet someone else, you're like, this person is inspiring me. But for me, I wasn't really inspired by actors until I was about 15. And it wasn't about the actors themselves. It was more about what they were doing. Mm, right. <laughs> like they were they were on television. They were doing weird things. They were meeting interesting people. So for for me, that was more inspiring and more influential than the idea of, of the actor, I guess you could say. But now that I'm in my 30s and I look about like when I started acting and where I am now, I definitely inspired by like Cicely Tyson, yes. Viola Davis. But yeah, Nicole Bahari, Tiana Parrish, so many. Yeah, Naomi Harris, definitely. Yes, I love that. And they are some of the most formidable women in Hollywood. And, you know, even from a UK perspective, like the impact that they've had over here is, yeah, is undeniable, which definitely. is amazing. Um, and so let's go back into like the, the whole theatre. Um, you know, growing up, where 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 did that come from? Has that always been something in you? Do you feel like it was like a, a born talent, a God-given talent? Is it just something you flocked to intuitively? 
You have really good questions. <laughs> you know, I was reading something not too long ago, and it said that people who get into the world of artistry, whatever, wherever it's like being a woodmaker or a painter or an actor or a musician, it comes from having trauma mm. as a child. And because of whatever trauma or issues that you had, you run to something to try and fulfill that. And I think... I think maybe growing up, I was so like doe-eyed about so many different things because of where I, where I grew up and um, being with my mom, she's a single mom, mm. that I just was like, I need to find something to make everyone be happy. Mm. What is the thing that's gonna make everyone be happy and go, oh, look at what Samantha did. Let's not think about, you know, all this, this, this worry that we have. So I started, I used to be really big into cheerleading cheer competitions all middle school then I got big into dance and that was my thing hip-hop dance street dance like ballet tap jazz dance then I got I played an instrument and then I finally when I got into theater and acting I didn't want to speak I only wanted to be like in the ensemble like singing the songs with everyone else I didn't want to have any solo lines so it's so funny that now I'm like doing one woman plays because I definitely was like oh gosh I don't want anyone to know that I'm here so I think it just came from like wanting to make people feel some type of joy Mm -hmm. is what drew me to the arts I hear that yeah that's really interesting when you say that you went from wanting to be very visible and spreading joy for your art to kind of going inward a little bit and um, not being seen like how do you feel you you came through that was that a specific time in your life or what kind of pulled you out of that of wanting to be seen of not wanting to be seen so you started off and you was very visible but then you kind of it, it seems like you went inward and like you said you didn't want to be you want to be an ensemble mm. and not visible so what pulled pulled you back out of that I have no answer for that. Mm. I think it's something that I I do believe in God and like divine intervention that it was just part of my path and my destiny to be where I am now, though I'm still growing and working towards bigger and better things. Mm. I think it was just, this is what you're meant to do. Just do it. Like you ever feel like you just get thrown into something and you have no idea where it came from. Someone says, how did it start? You're just like, yeah, (laughs) I think that's always been me with whatever I do. Like, my, my partner, we joke all the time. He says, you should get a shirt that says, I've worked all these jobs and have a cross through each different job. Because I've done so many things. And I feel like I'm still quite young. I'm 33. But mm-hmm. I mean, I've been like a mail carrier, babysitter, like different, like a, a hip hop dance teacher, like a musician teacher, like all these different yeah. things. And I'm just like, no one said what you come do this I just kind of fell into it Mm. so I think that's what happened with everything in my life there's no rhyme or reason it's just I'm here yeah it's (laughs) it's, it's a path you know um but that's yeah that's that's definitely interesting and I and I think I'm similar with this this journey that I'm on with the whole podcasting (laughs) it's very very new so I definitely um feel you on that one um and so I just want to kind of go back to the whole acting um now that you're in the UK, is there a difference between the opportunities in America versus the opportunities that black actors have here? Do you, do you see any differences in that or? Yes. And I, I do believe it comes down to more people. Mm-hmm. So obviously in America, in the US, there's more people, more black people 
in different states, cities, like across the whole country. And in the UK, it's a little bit more concentrated and less um, of a population. So I think there's more opportunities being made right. for black and brown artists in America, as opposed to here, not because one is better than the other. It's just based on numbers, yeah. to be fair. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree and I share that sentiment. Um, you know, we've been seeing some of our fantastic actors, Sean Lynch, et cetera, Idris Elba, mm. for example, going over and having great success. Um, whereas when they're here, they may have been struggling a little bit more. And, and I, I do wonder, and you do say it's, it's numbers, but I wonder if there is an attitude that exists in the US that's different from the UK towards opportunity um in my view in my opinion i think in the uk that they applaud success but it's capped mm. whereas in the us it's almost like that american dream right I, I don't know if that is an american dream or american nightmare we don't know but <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's packaged up as this american dream and it feels very much like the sky is the limit over there and i wonder if that's like the allure of you know black actors from the UK going over there. Yeah, I guess the sky is the limit. Like I always say in the UK, life is more practical. Right. In the US, it's a dream world. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want. And that could be like a problem and also a good mm. thing. Yeah. So I think there, there, there are limitations here. I found them myself being an international artist here that there's certain spaces you just can't mm. get into. Not because you're not good enough. It's just that's just not the space that you're meant to be in in this mm. country. And I don't think it's, it's not always a malicious thing, but I think it's sometimes a thing of, well, this is how it's been working for us. And there's no need for us to change it because no one's really asked for certain things to be changed. Right, so we're waiting for someone to knock that door down. Yeah, and it, it's, it's an interesting thing because I was speaking to another American actress here as well and she, was, um, she went to go see a play and um, in Scotland. I won't say what the play is, but there was one American role mm -hmm. in the whole play. I think it was like a cast of 10 or something. And she said it was a Scottish actress. They did not want an American to play. And it required an American accent. Right. So it's one of those things like, well, why wouldn't you call in, you know, at the agency, a couple of American actors and say, hey, we have this role, we want it to be authentic. Because that's something that they do in America, like they will cast authentic people for authentic roles. And that, I find they're doing that here too for certain things. Mm -hmm. But just some parts in theater, they will not flex. If you're doing, if you're in the West End, they don't really want too many American actors or different international actors in the West End. Because it's the West End, you get it. Yeah. But it's not like that in Broadway. There's no like seal. So it's, it's a very interesting thing how things operate here. But you know, it is, it is. And it's um, all very kind of, it feels, you know, from the outside looking in, I'm not part of the theatre world, but it feels like very um, institutionalised over here in a way that maybe it might not be in America. I'm not really sure what some of your famous like institutions are for acting, like I know, like RADA and, and all of these type of places. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. In America, they don't really care too much about training. And that was part of the reason why I came to London, because I really, I felt... I was doing well without the training, but I felt like oh, something missing. I want to get down. To, I want to peel everything off that I think is of an actor. And I want to add the layers that I think are. Yes. So that's why I went to drama school. And I, the only drama school I wanted to go to was Central. And my mentor, she said to me, Tori, I love her. She said, mm, okay, I get it. 
but maybe you need to audition for a couple more drama schools to see, you know, if that's surely where you want to go. So I took her advice and I'm glad that I listened to her because I auditioned for some pretty big drama schools in America. And what I realized was that I only wanted to come (laughs) to the UK. And also that it was more of a... It was a different type of ball game. Mm. Like the audition process was different. The way they spoke to you was different. The way they looked at you, it didn't look like they were looking at your performance as an artist. It was a bit more like they were looking at where can we place you? What agency can we place you with and how will it work? But that's, I mean, that's the nature of, you know, art and um, Hollywood. (laughs) Mm, Yes, exactly that. Um, and then to go back to your experiences of London and the UK, um, just why I was excited to have you here is just your lens as a African-American um, and just kind of like your commentary on any differences that you see between kind of like the UK, cult- the black UK culture versus the black US culture and <laughs> just anything that may have surprised you or anything that you're like, you know what, we are actually cousins and it's very similar. (laughs) You know, I love that question because I'm one of the people, I kind of had some cheat codes. Right. Okay, let's talk about these (laughs) cheat codes. To the UK before I came here because I was watching like Top Boy Summer House in 2011, 13 before like it became, before Top Boy became He was ahead of the curve then. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I, my cousin had introduced it to me and I'm just like, okay, that's what London's about. So I kind of knew how real things could be and like how the UK the, the black culture here that's it's not like top boy but, <laughs> no. but I knew that it wasn't just tea and crumpets like people right. try to make out this yeah not realistically yes so I was aware of like there are black people there are black people that look like me that are struggling like me like I knew the real deal of it um but what I was surprised at when I got here and I'm still I'm working my way through it but it's much better than it was when I got here was like how hard it is to make friends within the black community with women interesting I was like really yes because in America I mean we we get all the time the stereotype is like hey girl (laughs) you know we're open arms blah 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 but here was like the side is, mm, I don't know you. I got my friends from when I was five. So some people may argue that this is a Southern thing. So if you're in the South of England or the South of the UK, this is very much like a Southern culture, whereas the Northern girlies are more open and mm. warm. And I I have heard this before. And I think you're right where it's very much, um, it's, it's not that they're trying to be malicious or no it is a just a, a, a suspicion we don't say hello to our neighbors we don't really know who our neighbors are which is unfortunate um I think that's declined over the years uh but uh yeah I, I do hear what you're saying on that front and I agree it is it's more a London thing yes it's a London thing because when you go outside people are like oh hey da, da, you know talking but I was just so shook by that and I would I went to this uh bar restaurant Hyatt several times and I saw this girl she was so beautiful I mean she she was staying <laughs> and I went over to her and I was like you look stunning like I like your hair everything about you is beautiful and she just looked at me and she said wow and I was like and I just stood and I was standing wow. there looking at her and I was waiting for the next part to say thank you yeah <laughs> I thought that she was just like oh, I can't believe you said that no one said it but it was it was just like nothing wow and I just walked away like uh and my boyfriend said, see, you don't do that. You don't just go to people and compliment them. This is not Ohio. <laughs> but, and that's a shame because, you know, 
as black women, I want us to foster these more kind of like closer Sicily interactions, yes. um, which is which is a shame. But I think once you're you've penetrated like that that aloofness, then you get kind of like oh the London girlies they're actually yeah, they are nice they really are and I, some of yeah. my best friends like Christine shout out to you like oh, she's an amazing playwright by the way she opened her arms up to me when we first met and it was just like amazing and, and I haven't had those experiences in a long time good I may because I have like a like a stern face and I'm like hey I'm looking you down you open <laughs> up London resting yeah. bitch face <laughs> yeah so it's all right now good that's amazing um and so again I know we're kind of like leaping all over the place here oh, but good. um I wanted to go back to and I think we discussed this off camera about the SAG strikes mm. um and we kind of discussed what the disparities are for black actors out there and if you think in your opinion that it's hitting them harder um because you know again just looking at it from social media you're seeing what's going on but other than I guess like Billy Porter and just hearing mm. his kind of struggles I don't really in your opinion is there anything that kind of there any disparities there <sighs> I don't know. I just, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, so the last film that I did, it was like the first big film that I had as a lead role. They forced me to join SAG and that was in July. I was trying to avoid joining SAG because I live here and I want to work here more. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's difficult if you're in SAG or whatever. And so I had to join SAG and I was like, gosh, these dudes are high. <laughs> oh, wow. That was my first, my first thought. And then I thought, okay, okay. But it's cool because once you're in SAG, you have so many like um, opportunities, so many screens you can go to to meet a lot of these bigger artists. So many like um, the SAG Foundation, they have like castings that you can go to and meet casting directors and agents. So there's a lot more opportunity than you have when you're, you know, just solo. Mm-hmm. But I, I realized with the SAG strike that some people are living beyond their means. But I just feel like sometimes we as people live beyond our means because we have we know that certain money is coming in mm-hmm. and you're like okay well I have you know a hundred thousand dollars coming next week I'm good that's gonna happen the week after that and after that but you can't live like that you cannot yeah unless you're like Jay-Z or Beyonce well yeah <laughs> I don't know but even when you're even when you're a wealthy person is there a requirement to live in a big house I think it's it's also um, it boils down to financial literacy, and mm-hmm. a lot of us didn't grow up with that. A lot of us, um, it will be our first. We are the generation where we implement that moving forward. Um, you know, I certainly kind of didn't grow up with okay, this is what you do with a credit card and and all that type of thing. And I think that's that's quite common, and so that is definitely going to have a, an effect of what's happening. You know. Yeah, and I think well, the last ten years financial literacy has been like a big topic in the black community so that's why I'm still shocked that it's such a there's such a range of people having issues with their finances and they're making so much money yeah and they're they're in the know like they're in Hollywood with these people who they and they see investments happening so there is yeah there's definitely an an issue there that needs to be sorted out sooner than later yes hopefully (laughs) So I'm going to change gears a little bit now, and um, I want to talk about Last Looks Beauty. Yes, look. Yes. <laughs> Which is, you are the co-founder of, and it's your baby. Um, so, Last Looks Beauty, how did the idea come about? I know there's a really nice story behind the name. Last Looks, so when you're on set, um, before you, the cameras start rolling, 
the hair and makeup, you know, they're called from the director. They say final checks or last looks is what they say in the U.S., which means hair and makeup step in and make sure the actors before they start filming look great. Yeah. Any last touches. So that's why we named the, um, the business Last Looks Beauty, because we wanted to make sure that when the last look is in, that means all artists are covered from black, white, brown, whatever. Mm hmm. There's no last look if everyone's not covered. So right. that's why we said, oh, let's take the name and use it in that way. Um, and basically, inclusivity is the star and the hair is the story. So we just want to make sure yes. <laughs> that we stay true to that. And so if you can kind of give us a background or an introduction to Last Looks Beauty and how that came about, how that was birthed and created. So we're an Afro hair and makeup agency for film, television, stage, fashion, commercial, whatever there's a performer, whenever there's a performer, we're there. Um, but more specifically, our artists know how to do all hair types, right. all skin tones, barber, everything. Um, and it's very important because a lot of times when you tell someone, you know, we have an Afro hair and makeup agency, they're like, they only do black. Mm. That's all they hear. But no, our artists know how to do everything. And it's surprising because when you go on set and, you know, someone does your hair, a lot of the times they only know how to do one hair type. Yep. And it's never yours. It's never. <laughs> yes. Which is a huge problem. <laughs> yeah. I've actually never, I take that back. One time I've been on set and someone made my hair look really, really good. And I was, her name's Shaniqua. She works in, um, I think North London somewhere. I did an H&M advert with her here. And she made my hair look flawless. And it was the first time I felt like, you know, I wasn't scared. Because right. normally I come with my hair done or I, you know, have to guide the person who's doing my hair and say, this is what you should do. This is how you should do it. But I really felt safe with her. So, yeah, shout outs to her. Yeah, shout out. Yeah. And that's really annoying, actually, because you having to, you're, you're, you're coming to do a job. So you want to be focused on what you're doing um, on your art and then to actually have to consider now I have to tell somebody who's meant to be an expert in what they're doing how to do my hair and just not I guess fe turning up to the set and just not feeling thought about mm. which I think your last looks beauty really does address if I was an actress and coming onto set and I knew that I was in the hands of someone who knew what they were doing and I would I would feel thought about and that's really important yes you know like the inclusivity conversation um yeah so so also, I just wanted to go on and say, um, when we talk about that, what were some of the initial challenges um, getting the business set up? What were some of the barriers that you faced? Oh, there were so many barriers. First of all, when we started the business, we had no money. <laughs> I mean, we're growing now and, and thank God for that. But like we had, we started at zero. Negative, really, because yeah. we were finishing drama school and you know, we had to get money for our visas because once we got the okay from our school, like, oh, we like this business, we'll give you this visa. We had to pay for the visa. So right. now we're at a negative, so we don't have any money to put into the business. And then on top of that, COVID happened. Mm -hmm. So in order Done for us to it. have <laughs> hair and makeup uh, artists on set, there needs to be a set to have. Right. <laughs> for a year and a half, there everything was kind of silent. Um, so... We didn't really do any trading really all until, gosh, 2021 at the end. So all of 2021, I was the only hair artist at the time with the agency. And we were kind of doing a lot of trade for print opportunities, mm -hmm. um, a lot of short films and things for free. And we were even nominated for Best Hair and Makeup yeah. uh, for Birmingham Film Festival for Hair Ties um, from our good friend Eleanor. She was the director on that. And, you know, it was just kind of us doing free jobs, networking, doing all these things. And then finally in 2022, 
we had like a, a really big breakthrough and we just been kind of riding that wave and, you know, continuing to build from there to see what has in store for 2024. I don't know. I'm really excited. Big things. <laughs> and it's really important to highlight what you said about the breakthrough because I know a lot of businesses that when they establish themselves, you get to a point where you're like, when is this going to happen to happen for me? And it's important to bear in mind, like the breakthrough, it does come. Mm. Not for every single person, yeah. but it's the perseverance. Mm, and so yeah. it, can you specifically say, what was that breakthrough moment for you guys? Mm. I think when we got our first big contract. Mm -hmm. So we're um, contracted from Guildhall School of Music and Drama to do the hair for their artists. Amazing. Yeah, and that was like when we first <laughs> got that contract, I was shook because I was in, in the mindset that I was moving out of London. Right. I was going to move back to America because I've been working so much in film, TV, and theater in the U.S. that I was like, this, you know what, I'm just going to go back. And so we got that contract and I was like, oh, snap. Maybe we should stay. Yeah. But unfortunately, my business partner, she moved back to South Africa and she, she's she's thriving in South Africa and she's still um, working in the business as well. So it was one of those things like, okay, I'm going to just stay here for a bit and see how this goes. And ever since then, we've been doing like different, like Milan Fashion League. Oh it was really incredible so cool Zoe like to see the the models backstage and getting dressed and then you're doing the hair and you're working with Kachira who's an amazing hairstylist and he's like <laughs> <laughs> and the way he manipulates the hair you're like gosh I'm not I'm not really a hairstylist but to see and be a part of that was so thrilling and to have the hair artists from our agency there and to see how happy they were to be able to say I worked at Milan Fashion Week I was on the Bozeding show and the Monsoul show and it that was like I always like I feel like I want to cry when I talk about it because it was such a beautiful moment and just shows how tenacity yeah and just being you know kind and you know giving to others even though you might not always get something out of it mm -hmm. is more rewarding in the end absolutely and again that's why I was I wanted to kind of push a little bit and explore when you were saying the breakthrough yeah. um it's just such a it's such a beautiful moment to have isn't it yeah um, and just encouraging for anybody who might be listening it's carry on keep going plant the seeds water the seeds yes and something will come forth from that um and the land fashion week sounds incredible you know it was so fun and just i didn't realize how tough it was for models right and one thing the most beautiful thing i will say about milan fashion week when we worked the bozeting show they had um one black model she was cuban i believe and when she saw us and there was 70 models in the whole show and they had one black model when she saw us she just went ah. yeah she smiled yes and she, I mean, we didn't do too much because she, they had a style requirement they had for all the models and hers was very specific. But oh God, just to see her joy and to see how excited she was. It's the safety, isn't it? The safety. Yes. yes. <laughs> and she is a stunning model. And she worked that runway. I yes. will say her name's Rosaria. Rosaria. Yeah. Um, but br brilliant. It was just, it was very rewarding. Very amazing, rewarding. Amazing. And so just talk, obviously that's, one of the triumphs um is there any other biggest biggest triumphs that have come across at the moment or is there anything coming up that you can share with us triumphs uh, you know every day in the business is a triumph mm -hmm. we um because of the strikes the strikes have been going on since pff, july they ended I mean, what three weeks four weeks ago yes very recently yeah, yeah. and so we voted um on the agreement so things are going to um start rolling back out in around march april 
So things are going to be slow for, you know, a little, a couple, yeah. the next couple of months. So, I mean, just to be able to have, though it's been few, you know, we've had, we had six people on the last two weeks on projects, our hair artists, so, and makeup artists. So the, I was really happy about that because despite, you know, the industry shutdown almost, yeah. they're still working on commercial projects, short films for people. And I think people forget, you know, just because Hollywood and like, you know, big productions are happening. People who are working medium to smaller productions, they're still working. Absolutely. So they still need people. So, you, and, and, you know, you're finding a lot of artists who are like famous are working on just commercials and they're taking, you know, smaller jobs and things. And then you have like the little people like on my end, like, hey, wait a minute. These are the things that we do when you guys are like, don't yes. take everything. Yeah. So it's important to know that there's things still happening, even though Hollywood is kind of at a shutdown. But hopefully it will get moving in 2024. It yeah. will all be kind of back to where it was. Yes. More yes, opportunities will roll in. I'm sure Def they will. Definitely. <laughs> Next year is going to be a good year. This yeah. year was a really, really good year. I always tell myself, you know, Everyone was here. Thank God for, you know, the people that I love, they're still here this year. And then, you know, next year things will be good. They'll be here hopefully and, you know, everything will be good. So. Absolutely. God willing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so how would you like to grow Last Looks Beauty? What's the future? So for Last Looks, I just wanted to be everywhere. <laughs> so our goal is to, you know, really infiltrate the UK mm -hmm. next year like every time there's a production like that comes over these big productions like you know Hollywood stuff make sure that you know hey we have everything you need you don't have to outsource just we're here right um and then we want to kind of move into U.S. territories it's a bit different um, how the hair and makeup world works there I'm talking to some people now um to try and get the ball moving on that but definitely want to expand to different countries um, that need more diversity behind the camera. Outside of the UK and the US, what other country would you pinpoint and be like, we are needed here? Gosh, all of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, because when you think about certain places, they don't have this problem. Like Africa doesn't really have a problem no. with hair. Like no. you never. So my business partner, she was it was such a shock for her when she came because she's like, where do I get my hair? Done? Like, well, who do I speak to? Because normally mm. it's just everywhere. Right. So and she's South African. She's as well, South African. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's brilliant as well. Very, very beautiful woman. And um, so we just we were like, okay, we need this business to exist because it's going to help us in the long run too. Absolutely. <laughs> Not just because it's a, a business that you know you can make money from or whatever, but we're going to be on set and we're going to need someone to take care of us. So we better start now before. Yes, so Europe, watch out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. But it's so interesting because, um, you know, when I was discussing having you on as a guest with like some of my friends and they their eyes would just literally light up and be like, yes, I love that idea. And it's, it's so needed. And even if they're not in the entertainment industry or in that world, it's just, again, and I think I, I, I picked up on the point of the word safety mm. and knowing that you're in good hands and knowing that you're your viewed your humanity is taken into consideration yes which is is so important and I, and I think you know we see that across whether it's in the medical field or wherever it might be it's just that feeling of I am considered so you're you're doing amazing work in, in that sense yes, thank you I love that I am considered I'm mm. gonna start saying that yeah. I'm, considered. <laughs> I'm considered I think that's just all we want is just to be you know we're here you know Yes. Not to be erased in our experiences, so and not to meet a quota, and not to meet a quota or a tick box or 
Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. It's a funny one. Do you ever feel like when you're in certain spaces is to fill the space, not to be in the space? Interesting. It it depends on where I am and I have certainly felt that. And I think in the workplace, um, I've you know, kind of my background is advertising. Um, and then the kind of creative industry. So yes, in the workplace, you, you definitely feel like that can be a concern. Yeah. Um, but I think the older that I'm getting, it's more like I've become more aware of who I am, who what my power is, mm. um, and to never shrink yourself. Mm. And that's been work to do that. But as, as I, you know, as I've gone on, I've definitely felt like I've managed to do that a lot better than I have in the past. Never it's shrink a, yourself. Never <laughs> shrink yourself. Because when you shrink, someone's going to come in and yep. take over. Exactly that. Oh, that's the worst when they come in and take over. <laughs> that happened to me one time. I'll never forget. Tell it me was, more. It was the first time that I had like a speaking part in a film. And the director came over and he was like, okay, I want you guys to do some improv. So it's like me, this guy, and the director, and like the lead actor at the time. So we're all improving. I was like, okay, I'm going to say this. So, I, you know, I'm improv my whole bit. When the cameras start rolling, the other guy who's like supporting like me, he says everything that I said in the improv. Right. No. <laughs> I was no. livid. So naturally when the camera's rolling, I'm just like, I have nothing <laughs> to say. <laughs> and I'm not cool. Mm, I remember his name too. Uh, are we going to put him on blast? No, I'm not going to say it because... <laughs> People probably know who he is. <laughs> he knows who he is, and that's that's <laughs> yes, the main thing. Sees this. Yes. Um. So how? Do, okay. So in that moment, how did you recover from that? Was it just like, okay, I'm gonna be brilliant anyway, and just switch this on? Like, what what happened? You know what? That that whole thing was just a mess because. I, after it was over, I went home and cried. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it was early in my career. Yeah. And it was just like, I just kept thinking, how can someone do mm. that? How can someone steal? Now I realize no one's loyal to anyone. No. They have no reason to be loyal to you. And especially, I'm glad that I've grown this tough skin because it helps for, for me to understand and not be disappointed when, like, even a friend breaks my trust. Because it happens. It does happen, unfortunately. This is the human condition. We're not born into this world perfect, right? Yeah, people, people do that. And mm -hmm. you just have to be prepared for it and navigate around it because no one's going to love you unconditionally except for the people who bring you into this world. And sometimes not even them. Yes, and sometimes there's conditions on that. And conditions, exactly. So I just, I went home and cried and I told my mom and she said, baby, well, what did you do? What did you say after that? Mm -hmm. After he said everything you said, and I just said nothing. She said, well, that's on you. Yes, that's and my mom's always been like that. She says, you cannot allow anyone to bring you down. Like you said, yeah. no one, you never shrink. Yeah. You just keep moving forward. You can't get over it, around it, under it. You have to go through it. Absolutely. So ever since then, I've just been kind of like, oh, no, I said that. I should have just cut. Cut. <laughs> yeah, I would have got kicked off the set. But I should have, you know, just. Instead of being in amazed, like, like, how could he do this? Like, I should have said something else. But. but that was a moment for you. And that, like you said, it, it, you built up a layer and you was like, okay, so for the next time, I know how I'm going to handle this. Yeah. And so that you, you added, um, you added more weaponry to your armor. That's mm. how I'd like to put it, you know, and all these little moments in life, they're all, you know, as we go through these lessons, 
and how I've started to reframe it is it's not happening to me it's happening for me mm. and that has really helped change my perspective and anything perceived perceived as negative happens it's like okay what can I pull from this how am I going to move forward how is this going to make me stronger and yes. in that moment I feel like that's what happened for you yes even I, though you I, cried yeah. which is fine I cried hard that's but fine. this industry makes you cry a lot so let's talk about that. <laughs> On both sides, the business side and the acting side. Right, let's talk about it. Let's go a little bit more. Well, the thing with... Because you don't realize how... You're not really seen as a person. Mm. As much as people say, oh, we, you know, you're a person you want to make. You're not. Like, when you come into the industry, if you're, you know, starting from the bottom up like I did, you start as an extra right. or a background. And you realize it's just like herding in cattle. Mm. They say you in the pink shirt, you in the green shirt, you with the whatever, I don't know, you come. Or they're pushing you around onto where the, your mark, where they want you to be. And I did that twice in my career at background work. And I and I big ups to everyone who does background work because it's hard. Right. And you're there a long day and you're not fed in a lot of cases. Oh my goodness. And you have a very low rate. And they want you to be cheery all day on top of that. But my experiences after those first two, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I know how where I want to go. And if I allow myself to just keep doing this in order to be seen by these directors, they're not going to really see me because I'm, you know, pink shirt. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, there's no I can't show my talent in that, though. It, you know, it was good to be and get the experience of being on a set with all these cameras and things. And you're moving. OK, everyone over here. But it just taught me that, you know. You have to see your value and you have to go after that. And you can't get comfortable in someone saying, oh, yeah, you know, that, you know, big pink shirt. You know, it's cool. <laughs> right. Unless you really like that. There's some people who, yeah. you know, their professional background. And I love that for them because they just love being on set. But for me, I know that my goal was a bit different. So just being able to have thick skin, man, and just deal with some of the weird people. I've auditioned in closets what? with like big large men like what? breathing on me okay see the line <laughs> someone asking me how i feel about wearing lingerie and meeting them privately like oh okay so yes there is a, a darker side which we are all very familiar with, with the me too movement and everything yeah. that's coming out but i think people don't really talk about it in depth and how mm. like I, they talk about it but they don't talk about how dark that makes the world right feel that industry world feel for you and we're just talking medium level like I'm not a famous person but to even be in spaces where I'm like some of these people are crazy like mm. some directors like I had a director messaging me some very sick stuff and God, just, how do you how and awful. how they and you tell people and they're just oh yeah that's how he is or that's what he does they're how? protected yeah even to this day like yeah. Don't be fooled. Me too movement. Like there's still people who are protected. Absolutely. That's just, and it's a scary thing. And then when you go to your family about it and they try to get involved, then it becomes this big thing. Like my dad was about to rough somebody. Else. Wow. He was like, <laughs> not my daughter. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it's a really, it's an interesting thing. And it makes you wonder, why do you keep coming back? It's mm. because you love to perform. Yeah. Like my, when you start, your goal is like, I want to be a famous blah, 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 because you don't know any better. That's, 
the, what you see it's like you're gonna be a famous because that's i guess what success is measured by are you yeah. well known are you famous but that's not the reality of right. it you know viola davis has in her book what finding me i think it's called mm-hmm. where she talks about like only one percent will get to that pinnacle so are you okay in your career with being the rest? Right. Filling in those spaces. Because there's a lot of work out there. But are you okay with having just 10 lines on set on Netflix? You know, are you okay with, you know, being a day player? You know, being a jobbing actor? Mm-hmm. If you really love it, then yes. If you don't, then please get out of the business so we can take over those roles. No, absolutely. Because I think people tend to lose sight that it's, it is about the artistry and about what you're putting out there. And they go into it very naive and chasing this dream of fame and success. Um, whereas I think in my, my just in my personal opinion, some of the actors and actors that I, I've heard speak, it's come because of their passion of what they're actually mm. doing. And the product of fame is just a bonus. Yeah. And I think that's how it should be. And I think, and I found that mostly in the UK, actors and performers and think they're more driven by the passion, how much mm. they love being an entertainer. And then in the U.S., everyone just wants to be famous. Mm, it's really scary and extreme. Unless in theater. Like, I will say I work in theater a lot. And those people are just really brilliant actors. And they just, they don't want to do any film acting at all. They just really want to just focus on Just the love theater. of theater. Yeah, and yeah. that's how you know those are people who care about the craft. But you nine times out of ten, you meet an actor in the U.S. They might say, oh, yeah, so what have you been in? What have I seen you in? Right, it's and very clout. I'm to this point, Zoe, every time someone asks me, what do you do? I'm a nurse. <laughs> don't worry what I do, mind your business. <laughs> I'm a nurse. I don't tell people that I'm an actor. Right. Because it's always followed by, okay, anything I've seen you in? Yes, immediately, isn't yeah. it? Prove yourself. What have you done? Should, should I Should I fawn over you? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that question. I was like, <laughs> where are you from? Mm. That question, it, it used to like, traumatize me here <laughs> because I didn't know and then I you know had to go on this whole discovery of finding out where am I from because mm. no one ever asked me that in America that was never a question I'm just black yeah <laughs> okay so this is interesting so do you um I always I when I okay so I went to Ghana for the first time this year my my grand my grandfather's Ghanaian um <gasps> yes <laughs> and so my thing always was I've always been aware that I'm a, I'm a black woman. But when I went over to Ghana or when I've been to the Caribbean, in fact, um, which is my other side of me, St. Lucian, um, it's, I just feel like a woman. I'm not titled black. I'm mm. just seen as a woman. Okay, I might be seen as like an English or a British woman. Um, so you, you don't, you, 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 okay, so I guess you were talking more about your accent and the fact that you're American rather than we're talking about your skin tone. All of it. All of it. Yeah, because when I came here, like, obviously my accent was much more thicker. I I mean, it's thick now. (laughs) But, like, when I get older, yeah, y'all, I'm from Cincinnati (laughs) and, you know, that's that's how. But the questions came, okay, where are you from? Mm -hmm. I'm from Ohio. No, where are you from? Mm. Cincinnati. No, where are you really from? Yes. And I had never been asked that question before. Is this from black people as well or? Mostly black people. Right. And it was mostly like black men, obviously, because I was like on Tinder and stuff dating. Yeah. Like, so tell me your background because they wanted, what mix are you? Because they mm. think that I don't look like just a normal black woman Whatever or something. That is. Yeah. And I would get that a lot. And I was like, oh, well, I, and I knew my mom, like there's a lot of mixed race stuff happening in my family because 
slavery yeah and because you know um down south a lot of black and white people that were you know impoverished they shared spaces so of course they had children together um i knew that piece of it but i was a bit lost that i didn't know my african heritage Mm. and it really affected me so much that i felt like unworthy in a sense interesting to exist in certain spaces like black british spaces um not because i'm not british but just because i didn't know what kind of black i was right so it's okay this is interesting so your perception of black british is that maybe we're a bit more in tune with our lineage definitely right okay so are you familiar with the whole windrush yes okay. in the 40s yes. yes yes so i guess we have that as like okay you're either caribbean or you're from african descent and so you mm-hmm. know your lineage but personally i also on my dad's side can only go as far back to a certain um 1800s then i don't have any lineage so that's very familiar with like the african-american story you can only go as far back right is it because he's from st lucia yes okay so we have the we okay yes we're caribbean i can say i'm caribbean but behind that i would have to do a dna test to see okay where exactly am i from after after the caribbean yeah on my mum's side it's a little bit more easier because i have the uh ghanaian so I know exactly where that's from. I have the Ghanaian surname, my mum's maiden name. So I, I have that lineage. Okay. But we still do have that kind of displacement. Um, but I guess, again, this is why I love having these conversations with African-Americans because I think, and no shade, but it's just when you step, I think you guys are in a little bit of a bubble sometimes when it comes to the diaspora are living. So mm. it's just interesting to hear like, yeah. Yeah, and I will, because I, I was always aware that like, people from the Caribbean had a similar back like issue as us but they always had the identity of saying well I'm Jamaican yes exactly or I'm from Trinidad you know they could claim a land yes that's exclusively black (laughs) yeah even though that was part of the slave trade yeah but as far as the boat my my grandmother she always went to Africa like every five years when I was a kid um my mom she said I was too young to go at the time but my grandma she would go all the all the time and she would say do you want to come like yeah I want to come but I wasn't allowed Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until I moved here when I started to question what kind of black am Mm -hmm. I which sounds so weird no but I started to question that when people would ask me because so many people assumed that I was like East African yeah I got that a lot you probably get that a lot too yes (laughs) Yeah, like people, Habish, Habish. I'm like, no, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. And um, that's when I started to say, okay, I need to figure this out. And I, I went and asked my grandmother and, you know, she kind of broke down, you know, I've told you that, and I never listened in the past because mm-hmm. it's like, I didn't need, have a need to, that your your grandmother was Cherokee Indian. She always talked about my grandmother. Right. Oh, my great grandmother, her grandmother. And um. She said she has this coal black hair, Cherokee Indian. And when she said that, that was the first time I said, okay, I'm going to hold on to that. I have an identity now. And then I talked to my other grandmother on my dad's side. And she was like, oh, yeah, we're Ghanaian. And she said it so hey. clear. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she said it so clear that it made me confused as why she never presented that information to me mm. before. But again, there was no need. She had no right. reason to tell me, hey, black girl from Cincinnati, yeah. you're not from Cincinnati, you're from Ghana. It doesn't, in, in America, just that doesn't exist. There's mm-hmm. no need for it, I guess. And so that was about last year. 
Wow, so very, very new. That she told me that. Right. And um, I was so happy because my partner, he's got an AM. Yes, we're just winning yes. over here. And he was like, mm, are you sure though? And I said, but that's what we're not going to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm claiming it. She said it. Yeah. And she, and then I went into and looked at some records and I found that my great, great, great grandfather who came over during slavery, I think I had, that's enough greats. His, his name was like, oh, he needs something. Okay. So, I mean, that's, it has to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. So I, that's when I finally felt like, okay, I can claim something. Mm. But then I also found out that my grandmother, my great-great-grandmother on my mom's side was Scottish. So I'm learning a lot. Yes. And that indeed. someone else was Indian from India. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of happenings in my family <laughs> and I don't. Now I'm at the point where I'm a little bit more confused. Mm, okay, so it's brought up more questions than answers. Yeah, of, okay, how much can you claim? And so it's like, when you find out these things, you start to become too many things. Right. And then you start to say, well, if I'm all these things, who am I really? Exactly, and then you're back to square one. Back to square <laughs> one. Yeah. So I'm, I'm working on a documentary that kind of talks about um, understanding cultural dysphoria amazing and how to work with it or not that is going to be <laughs> insanely interesting yeah i will have to have you back here to yes, talk about that that's yes. going to be incredible um and you know my, my roots go back mainly to west africa i love my caribbean side that's how i grew up yeah and just being able to say that in itself is good because when you go back home well when i go back home i'm never you know questioned about okay right you're just black. You just you, and and I think that's the the rough thing about America. It's so divided mm. by just black and white. Yes, and it's not even. I, I found like it's not even just black, white, Asian. Da da da. It's black, mm -hmm. and then everyone else is on the other side. Wow, we're standing on an island by ourselves over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is, it's an interesting thing. Like, yeah. and you when you grow up with it, you don't really think about it that much mm -hmm. until you come to a whole other world and you're like okay and you start to get checked for things where you think like that's racist right <laughs> and someone's like no they just that was their seat yeah <laughs> <laughs> they, they just wanted to sit in their seat so that was one thing when i came here i had to check myself because of you know the racial issues in America I had to realize everything that someone says to you that doesn't look like you has nothing to do with like some type of hate speech or not liking you it's just they could just be a dick yeah or just uneducated <laughs> yeah. you know which is unfortunately very often <laughs> yeah but yeah so let's go um to legacy mm. let's go to what Samantha's legacy is going to be and what last looks beauty's legacy is going to be that word legacy scares me because it makes me think of trigger word death. Oh no! Because <laughs> in order to have a legacy, you have to die. I know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I view it like that. I think there are people who have planted legacy and they're still living. I can't mm. think of any <laughs> examples right off the top of my head. <laughs> See how dark that is. Like when I think I of legacy, so I think people who have moved on. No, not the upper room. No, <laughs> the upper room. 
Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh. Okay, so okay, let's say the um, path. Let's say do your part. Like okay, we get to retirement age. Maybe, okay, okay. And you, you know, and you're like, okay, this is my work, and I'm really proud of it. What does that look like? Do you know how soon retirement is coming? For Please us? don't say this. But no, do you know how <laughs> life, how fast life goes? It's zooming by scarily. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, we look young, but it's going. It's, it's, co- it's going. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> retirement well this is a funny one but I always feel like it's gonna everything's gonna be beyond my wildest dreams Mm. I can't put my finger on it right now but we'll we'll watch this back (laughs) in some years time and I'm gonna be shocked because when I look at my life now I can't even believe the things that I have experienced. I can't even believe the people that I've met. I can't even believe the things that I've touched and said, I've been able to shape this into a way that it's some form of art. So knowing the the things that I've done in this career and life of mine in the the short 33 years, the next 25, 30, last looks is going to be a name that is just like Nike. Exactly. Like you said, it's going to be everywhere. It's just going to be Manifest everywhere. It. Yep. Even if, you know, I would be happy if, even if it just exists in the UK. I don't really have to have mm. it be in America because, you, and you know, America's not the end all be all. But I really do believe that Last Looks is going to make a name for themselves in the UK for sure. And because we're so fair with our artists and we really care about the people that we work with and the people that work with us and the people that we meet on set, I think it's going to just surpass anything that I've ever thought it could. And we echo that sentiment. Absolutely. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. And we manifest that for you. Absolutely. That's incredible. So just to close out, um, I would like to kind of end and talk about values Mm. Um, and a value for your personal life and a value for your professional life and I I don't mind going first um and so when I think of values for myself um and I think if I'm looking at my season now it would be peace Mm -hmm. and balance and I think those two things are really important balance in my personal life um peace in my in my life and just to perpetually be in balance it really helps center the world around you Mm. to always be seeking peace, bringing that energy to the room and also being able to give that energy. So I think for the season that I'm in now, it's all about the balance. It's all about the peace. So what would be your values? That's a good one. Um, Integrity. Yeah, because there's so many people who don't have integrity these days. Yep. And awareness in my personal life. Because I feel sometimes I'm a Virgo and I can work, work, work (laughs) and never take a break. And it doesn't help that I'm American. That's part of our whole system. We just work without, you know, thinking it never ends. So I think the awareness of telling myself, like, Samantha, take a break. Yep. You have to take a break. Because if you don't take a break, the break's going to take you. Say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Which has happened quite a few times where I've gotten ill and I'm like, Mm -hmm. what is happening? It's stress. Yep. So I want to have, like, the awareness to say, check in with yourself. 
what's going on is it worth you know fighting to go to this this thing for this little amount of chump change to make a connection right or can you use the time to connect with yourself and think about what's important and making it through another day Absolutely. I love that. It has been a beautiful experience having you here. And for my first guest, I'm just so thrilled. I mean, y'all, when y'all come on the... She is brilliant. Thank you. You're going to be great. I'm so proud of you. No, it's been such an experience, such a great conversation. And I'm looking forward to a second conversation. Yes, We have to revisit some of the projects that are coming up in the future. But thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening and all that good stuff of liking and subscribing and sharing and commenting and just getting the black circle out there. And I will see you for the next episode soon. Woohoo!